God has put enough into the world to make faith in him a most reasonable thing, but he has left enough out to make it impossible to live by sheer reason and observation alone. That was said by Robbie Zacharias. Spencer. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki. And boy, that Robbie Zacharias quote was probably a little more punchy a few years ago, you know, given that he died a pervert. But nevertheless, God's truth is greater than Robbie's sin. And uh, I just like the way it sounds. We're going to stick with it. So today, we want to kind of wrap up this series, kind of put a bow on this little mini series that we had going that you didn't even know was going. Um, our episodes kind of on what do you believe? Why do you believe that sort of thing? We want to end it sort of why you should be confident in your belief or why you should be comfortable in your belief. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. So before we dive in, baby, do you have anything you want to say? I just want to give a praise report. Uh, I just want to thank God for my job not just any old job. I feel like he really was blessing me and blessing Spencer because he was wanting me to work, but it's going really well. I'm making more than I thought I would make and enjoy working with the ladies I work with. And yeah, we all get along and they're all great workers. They take their job seriously. We clean houses. So it feels good leaving at the end of the day. Um, the clients are happy and so yeah and your the job brother has hard. oh I was gonna say your brother's got a in his job too he's um God's blessing his his work too he's got a job that he just did and yeah we've been asking you guys the last couple episodes to take my brother up in prayer he just started a new business and he sort of had his first big job this week and it was a huge success. So if you did pray for him, we appreciate that. Um, and again, if you've been praying for Nikki, we appreciate that because her job is a huge blessing. And, you know, it's a job that helps us financially. You know, it's, it's hard to be a single income earner anymore in America. But this job does offer her a lot of flexibility. We have mm -hmm. four kids that are homeschooled and stuff. So she can kind of come and go as she needs to. And it's not, you know, it doesn't take her out of the home too much. So it's a huge blessing mm -hmm. to us. So yeah. God is definitely good. And we appreciate all the prayers. And if you haven't been praying for us, come on, <laughs> just pray for us. We pray for you. So, um, yeah, today we want to, again, like we said, kind of put a bow on this little mini series here. We want to look at this from a few angles. Um, we want to look at it first, sort of why you can feel confident in your belief according to scripture, because we should always go to scripture. And then secondly, we want to look at why you can believe in that scripture. <laughs> you know, if you're going to go to it for finding answers to life, you want to know that you can actually believe it. And then we kind of wanted to end on why, you know, you're not alone in your faith and you can confidently believe because you're not on an island just making something up on your own. So, <laughs> you know, um, first point here you know, was looking at the Bible, you know, why you can and why you should believe. And, you know, everyone's heard the verse, it's Romans 1 20. So maybe if you want to read Romans 
Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. And it's not just, when I was reading this, I was just thinking about, oh, it's just um, about creation, just seeing that a, a God exi- exists at all. But this is about his power and his divine nature. So it's not just understanding, yeah, there's a creator. It's knowing about his divine nature and his power. Like creation speaks of those qualities of God. He's not just any old God that created yeah, it's you know? not like he uh, he wound up the clock and let it go. He's an involved God. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So according to scripture, according to Paul, right? Like you are the first reason why you can confidently believe, right? You have brains, you have an eye or, you know, you have eyeballs. Um, you can see the world around you and understand that a creation requires a creator. You can understand that, you know, you can reason that, you know, the idea of sort of something being created from nothing is just, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. And it doesn't matter, you know, how many eggheads they roll out figuratively or literally like Stephen Hawking. Is too soon. Anywho, sorry if that was a little too crude for you, but you can't make sense out of that nonsense. You know, they know that, you know that. And I think personally, this is why you've been hearing a lot of, this is kind of an aside here, but this is why you've been hearing a lot about things like multiverses and stuff um, in the last couple of years get more and more popular because they know the big, big bang theory is a dumb theory. And I think people that don't want to believe in a creator are dying for any other theory that can make sense. Cause the big bang theory doesn't. So doesn't. yeah, that's the big one. Well, also in the other verse, see, I hear Psalm nine, uh, Psalm 19 one, just about you can feel confident in God, just in the creation around you. And that says, just looking up into the heavens. So the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Like just looking at the heavens alone, like not even looking at the earth now, looking up at it's for um, seasons and for times and seasons. Is that what it says? In Genesis, what the stars and the sun and moon were yeah, created but, for. Yeah, but you see the immensity and all the creation and splendor. And, you know, like you said, you open your eyes and just look around. You use your brain and you the understand. Order. Yeah, There's the even order. order in the heavens, not just on the earth. It's just too perfect. Like, that is not an accident. So I always have this thought. I actually got into an argument a little bit. I'm trying to get better on Facebook with this guy who, uh, don't argue with fools. He self-proclaimed that he was, <laughs> he's called by his friends, the reluctant atheist. I was like, really? You have a nickname amongst your friends. Like you're just tearing your hair out and you're like, God, oh, this has to be true. And oh, I just don't believe <laughs> funny. But anyways, <laughs> you know, I kind of had this point with him that like, you know, if you're a God hater, you know, and they call themselves atheists or whatever, Like if you and him walked into a house, you know, whatever, it's a beautiful house and you both walk in, the Christian would look around and be like, man, this home is beautiful. You know, I'd love to meet the builder. And Mm -hmm. the supposed atheist would be like, how do you know there was a builder? 
where is he? I want to meet him. <laughs> You're like, prove there's a builder. <laughs> yeah, the Christian would kind of explain to him, like, no, man, like, look at the way the two by fours line up. It's perfect. You know, electricity and water are flowing through the house perfectly. Like, it has to be yep. built by somebody. And the atheist, you know, the supposed atheist would explain to you mathematically how, you know, these boards could line up perfectly if given enough time and circumstances so on and so forth. They would have to have time in there. takes a long time. And I think this is kind of that (laughs) quote where Nikola Tesla, you know, at least what I believe when he said, um, today's scientists have substituted mathematics for experiments and they wander off through equation after equation and eventually build a structure which has no relation to reality. And we see this a lot like in the climate change debate. All the claims and stuff on climate change that you hear, they're scientific models. Right. Um, and what that means, if you're not sure, it means information goes into a computer, equations get added to that computer, and then an outcome or a certain you know outcome spits it's out. It's like people don't critically think anymore, even scientifically, which is this observation and testing something if it's repeatable, testable. You know, they have a computer just thinking for them. And giving them results. Yeah, and like the problem with that, and this is great, right? The computer can do all this, but if you want a certain outcome, you just put a certain equation. And we see this on social media all the time when they're banning people, and it's their algorithm, it's yeah. their equation that they put in because they're godless heathen. People just think through like an algorithm. And it's the same way. Program. So, like, this is math, it's not science. Right. Um, so, you and your own ability to understand what you see and experience. Those are evidence for a creator that you can feel confident in. If you believe in the Big Bang, that all this perfection, then you, you'd sound foolish saying it, but you, you actually believe that a huge house and the plumbing and electricity could come together within billions of years because it always takes billions of years, right? Yeah. And if you believe in Big Bang Theory, you do believe that. You have to admit that. It's crazy. So... Um, the second one that you can feel confident um, and believe is because of the Bible that we have, you know, and if you can believe the Bible, you know, then you can believe the information that's contained in the Bible. Um, and we have a couple of videos that we're going to be linking in the discord. Um, the first one's again by Vody Bakum. whatever you want to say. And the second one's by James White. Both of them are are explaining far more eloquently um, than we could about this idea of believing in the Bible. And I just want to say, I forgot to mention at the start, like this isn't going to be some scientific deep dive into, you know, scientifically how God can exist and all that. I'm not smart enough to explain that to you. And I don't think it's necessary anyways. You don't explain God with, you don't prove God with science. No, and I don't think you need to. I mean, there's certainly people that can do that. The William Lane Craig's of the world and Stephen Furtick's and those type of people, and God bless them. But if God wanted you to prove him scientifically, he would have put science in the Bible that way. Hey, if you just one plus X equals God sort of a thing. He didn't do that. So, But we can believe the Bible that we read. And what's fascinating about the Bible is it's not just a normal book. I mean, it looks like a book to us because we have it in 2021. But it's not a, a normal book. It's not a single book. Um, it's actually a collection of 66 books um, or 73 if you're a Catholic or like an Ethiopian Christian or something. Um, but those 66 books are actually written over 1,500 years. 
Um, they were written by over 40 different authors and they were written on three different continents. And what's so amazing is that it's all telling the same story over 1500 years. Mm -hmm. It's the story of a coming Messiah and the arrival of that Messiah, you know, and it's, it's just truly incredible. And if you go on that discord link to the episode notes, I'll actually have a map up there as well. Kind of illustrating where all the books of the Bible and stuff were written. So mm -hmm. you can see that more clearly. I think it's amazing how we have at, like m reliable history. Like it's, it's like the most reliable, but it's the most questioned. Like, yeah, it's, and most of the questions that are drummed up about it are questions that we only attribute to the Bible, you know, because um, if you don't believe the Bible and the writers from the Bible, then like you literally, you can't believe in Julius Caesar. Right. You can't believe it, you know, anything from antiquity. The because, real historical documents. Yeah. So, just like all those other books you, you know, learned about in school. But because this has something to do with religion, your faith want to you know get away from it but i was just gonna say too one of the main arguments against the bible is that well a lot of books were removed so people think oh it's just been too tampered with by men and it's not in its original um i guess words anymore but then at the same time you gotta admit there was an original and right and that's one of the things you hear a lot and you know, and it's just with if you don't look into it, then that's something you could come to. But right. the reason that we have the Bible that we do today is mainly due to the criteria that they used in forming the Bible. Um, you know, not to mention, obviously, the Christian view that God would determine what books he wanted in the Bible. But aside from the Christian view, you know, we call it sort of a test of canonicity is what they sort of explain. And for the Old Testament, when they were sort of forming that book, and the reason why we have the books that we have in the Old Testament is because they focused on three sort of major areas. They looked at the author, they looked at the uh, audience, and they looked at the teaching. Um, and I got this information here from encountering the Old Testament. Um, it's a college textbook basically that I used um, and I'll have these books that we use linked in the description so you can go check them out yourself but basically um, they sort of looked at was the writer a prophet or was he spirit led um, then was it written to all generations like it couldn't just be a small nuanced little people it might have been written to a group but could that little letter be written or be used for all generations because right. the bible like is it in the bible it says all scripture is is used for for useful for teaching and yeah it's like timothy or something yeah like that. i can't remember yeah. all scriptural scripture is so you see that a lot where they might be writing to a church but that letter is can be used for a broader audience mm -hmm. and then um the last thing again they would look at is is it written in accord with previous revelation you know, if you're writing something that's completely outlandish from everything else that's been written, they might dismiss that book. Um, and then, you know, sort of the Jewish people and the leaders of the day, they basically had sorted these books out by the time, you know, obviously Jesus and stuff came around. Um, though some scholars do believe that Ezra um, was actually credited with forming the actual formation of the Old Testament in the way it was. 
Um, and they did have councils over time. There was the Council of Jamnia. I think that's how you say it. It was in AD 90. So after Jesus had already been around. Um, and the religious leaders of the day, they gathered not really to debate what books were in the Old Testament, but just to re- reaffirm that those are Old Testament scripture yeah. kind of a thing. Because if there was anything wrong with Old Testament writings, like Jesus walked the earth. He read the Torah. He's, he read it all. Like, yeah. he didn't just know it because he is God. Like, he went through all the Jewish customs, so he had to know the written word. And he never brought up something that was wrong in the Old Testament. Like, no, you guys got that wrong. That's not mm-hmm. how it went. Where's the <laughs> book of Hector? Who <laughs> left the book of Hector out? Like, didn't happen. So, you know, the New Testament was slightly different um, than the Old Testament, although since they already had the Old Testament, they sort of used that structure to form the New Testament. Um, and then same thing as with the Old Testament, the New Testament kind of had three different criteria that those books had to meet to make it into our canon, you know. Um, and I got these again from the textbook. This one's the essence of the New Testament. Uh, again, it'll be linked. Um, but the the first one that they looked at was ap- Apostle Asid. Apostle Asidi. <laughs> uh, basically, was the book written, the book or letter written by or in connection to an apostle? That was the first one that it needed to meet. The second one was Rule of Faith. Basically, did the book or letter conform to orthodoxy? And then the third um, consensus they had to meet was if there was widespread use and acceptance of the writing. And this is why we get books, you know, that you hear of like the gospel of Judas or the gospel of Thomas that get omitted from scripture and people have a problem with is because they didn't meet those three criteria. It wasn't like they just like, Oh, this one sounds weird. Get it out of here. Like you have to believe that God is sovereign over his word. And if he, if he intended us to have his word and for it to be sufficient, Nothing was going to stop that. Man cannot stop God's plans. Like Jesus is the word of God and his word that we have is powerful. Like you have to have faith that his will is going to be done with his own word. So don't doubt it. Yeah. And like, and these weren't like, you know, these criteria, they weren't just kind of thrown together. Like, so these books weren't just collected together because everyone liked the way they sound. They met a certain criteria that was sort of predetermined. And then, Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing that you kind of mentioned is these books get, you know, picked and choose over time. And but we can go all the way back to A.D. 367. Um, there was a letter. I think they call it the letter of Athanius or Athanasius, um, who was a bishop of Alexandria at the time. And he sent a letter out. And in that letter, he was he listed all 27 books that are currently in our New Testament. So like all the books that we have in our new Testament today were the books they were using in their new Testament, you know, as far back as AD 367. Um, and then since that time, you know, they've had different councils and synods, I think is how you say it, you know, the council of Nicaea, right. The council of Trent and stuff, where they've gone back and looked and reaffirmed new Testament doctrine. Again, looking at some of these criteria. Mm -hmm. So it's been vetted over time, but the books that we have in our Bible, they're the same books in the same Bible that our church fathers in the early church were using. It's not different. And you, yeah. you sort of mentioned the idea of like the translations and 
Vody even talks about this in his uh, video, but they always say like, oh, it's like a game of telephone, right? Like I tell you something and you tell the next person, next person, next person. And then you go back and ask that last person and what you, the original person told them is completely different, which sounds intelligent. But the problem is, is like your version of scripture, they don't just, you know, whatever the newest version is, the ESV is what we like. And that came out in 2000. The ESV didn't, write their Bible based off of the new King James version. Right. They go back to the original source. So it's not telephone. It's basically Nikki comes and asks me, then you come and ask me, you come and ask me. So then when everybody gets together and they all go, Hey, what do you say? Everybody says the same thing. (laughs) That'd be very careless of the word of God. And I don't think that would be allowed. Like people are very, uh, they're just, serious about preserving original text, original meaning. And as a real historical book, all these books that make up the Bible, they're going to be preserved. Yeah. And we found this to be more and more reliable and more and more true with, you know, obviously the uncovering of the Dead Sea Scrolls has reaffirmed that the stuff we're reading today is what they were reading back then, all the way back to like AD 120. Um, and we did a podcast not long ago, and we'll try to link it in the description, where they're still finding new, newer and newer scrolls in that Dead Sea region that, again, reaffirm confirm, yeah. what your Bible says is what it's always said. So, um, yeah, the Bible is trustworthy. It's the same Bible that our forefathers used, and you can feel confident in that. So the last thing that we wanted to end on um, was just kind of letting you know that you're not alone in your Christian faith. Cause a lot of times we feel like we're isolated and, um, we just wanted you to know that like, you can have confidence that you're on the right path because of who you're associated with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Jesus believed in the scriptures and he had every opportunity, like I said, to point out if something was wrong and, um, instead, he taught it and he lived it and he fulfilled it. So everything in the Old Testament that was prophesied about Jesus, if something was prophesied wrong, then Jesus wouldn't fulfill it and we would know about that contradiction. We would catch it. Yeah, and like Jesus is a trustworthy source source, even if you're not a believer. Right? Like there's nobody in the world, even atheists, that are like, Jesus was a crappy dude. They may not believe he's a God or he's God, but they still live by the truths that he taught, even if they don't accept them as, you know, spiritual truth, right? That's just the way they live their life now. So yeah, Jesus is obviously first and foremost, if he didn't like our scriptures, he could have changed them um, and he didn't. And then going on, Galileo, Isaac Newton, St. Augustine, Johannes Gutenberg, Christopher Columbus, Martin Luther, George Washington, C.S. Lewis. J.R.R. Token, our namesake, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., Winston Churchill, like, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, these are all people who were Christians. So if you consider yourself a Christian, you are in rarefied air. Like, <laughs> these are um, some of the most influential, amazing, and important people in the history of the world. So you don't need to be embarrassed by the faith that you have because it's what all of them have. You believe mm-hmm. what Isaac Newton believed, what uh, George Washington believed. 
Now, again, all Christians waffle a little bit, but, you know, this is what they believe, you know, and so you can feel confident in that. And then I just had to, because <laughs> atheists, you know, they have their wall of heroes too, right, that they can be proud of, like uh, Ricky Gervais, uh, Woody Allen, Kathy Griffin, or uh, ooh, Patton Oswalt, you know, he's right. Martin Luther King Jr., Pat Oswalt, um, you know, some real heavy hitters on the atheist side. So you don't need to feel isolated or embarrassed by your faith because you have a, a amazing list of uh, brothers and sisters in Christ behind you. So mm-hmm. this episode we want to keep uh, relatively short. So baby, as we get ready to wrap this up, do you have any last words? I just want to encourage people to look into the validity of the Bible, and I honestly never really looked into it a lot in the past. I was just one of those people that believed it and didn't really know why, like how it was brought together to make up like all these books of the Bible, and it's really interesting. I just encourage you to go and just research that, because it's not like it's anything we ever would have learned in, in school. <laughs> no, and this is just tip of the iceberg. Please go and watch these videos by Vody and James White. Mm-hmm. Way smarter than I am. <laughs> um, start doing your own research. But again, you don't need to be an astrophysicist to make your claims about God and feel confident. Um, the Bible gives us all the evidence and all the ammunition we need. To oh, make yeah. I was going to bring up that Spurgeon faith. quote. I don't know where it went. Yeah, let's end it on Spurgeon. I wanted to end it on this. He says, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose, and the lion will defend itself. Perfect, Isn't that nice? Love you guys. <laughs> God bless. <laughs>